Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 28 and 29. Uh, chapter 28 was a small chapter, and it kind of chain links into chapter 29, which is why I'm going to uh, combine them together. But what I want to do is I want to give a recap of chapter 27, which when that message was titled, uh, Receiving versus Deceiving. And for those that were following, you'll remember what had happened. And we go back to the time of Jacob and Esau. And, and when they were younger men, Esau was the older of the brother who was to receive a birthright. Because he was the older brother. His brother Jacob deceived him. And took it from him because he was extremely hungry that day and was making food and, and basically told him that, hey, give up your birthright. I'll give you this, uh, this soup that I'm making. And he said, oh, what do I care? I'm going to die one day. He gave him the soup. His birthright was taken. So as they got older, their father Isaac was, was, uh, getting older and he was, he was losing his eyesight. He's, he also thought that he was basically going to die soon. And what had happened was, was that he was going to give his older son Esau the blessing, which the blessing was not to be given to Esau, it was to be given to Jacob. But Isaac himself favored his son Esau. He was a really good cook, he was a hunter, he did everything he liked to do. The mother Rebecca was a favor to Jacob because he was the homebody who probably most likely hung out with Rebecca all the time. So they were twins. And so, Rebecca heard their father Isaac say, go out and hunt me some game and cook it for me. And by doing so, I will go ahead and give you the blessing. So as he left, Rebecca went ahead and told Jacob what was about to happen. So she went ahead and, and came up with this elaborate scheme, if you will, to basically go ahead and, and bring me the goats from outside and I'm going to remove the hair and put them on your arms because Esau was a hairy man. So I'm going to put these, these skins on your arms so that way we could fool your father. I'll cook up the goats. You serve it to him. You pretend to be Esau. Well, the plan, to make a long story short, the plan did work. Isaac fell for it. He was kind of going blind. He felt his arms because Jacob said, how am I going to pull this off? I'm a smooth-skinned man, and Esau's a hairy man, so Rebecca was pretty skilled and crafty in what she did. They, they, they pulled the old switcheroo, and Isaac fell for it. So Esau comes in, brings him the food, and, and basically Isaac realized what happened. Isaac went ahead and told him what had happened, and, and Esau went ahead and went ballistic. Esau, from there on, basically said, he's, he took my birthright from me, now he's taking the blessing from me. I'm going to kill him. So Rebecca says I, want, says, I want you to go to my homeland, to Jacob. I want you to go to my homeland, and I want you to, to stay with my brother, Laban. And so in chapter, 20, uh, in chapter 28, it was a short chapter. Uh, Jacob, or, uh, Jacob was given the blessing. And then he was told to go ahead and leave and, and to move to the land of the east over there in Haran. And so Esau, Esau went ahead and heard the blessing, heard the whole thing, and he, and he heard 
his parents tell Jacob to not when you do do not marry anybody from the Canaanite region. And so Esau had already married two Hittite women from the Canaanite region. So Esau decide, decides to go to the area where Ishmael, who was Abraham's firstborn son, who was born out of um, another situation that uh, he, he was, he had a child with the handmaiden. Because Sarah could not bear children, he had a child with the handmaiden by the name of Ishmael, and and so that family of Ishmael, Hagar and Ishmael, the mother and son, were forced to leave. Ishmael becomes the founding father of the uh, of the Arab nations. So Esau goes and takes on a couple more wives from that area. So now, not that he not only did he have a couple of wives from the Hittite region and that Canaanite region, which was dis- disproved of, he went ahead and took on more from the Arab nations up in the areas of where were uh, from the daughters who were related to Ishmael. Jacob had a dream. He had a dream that God had spoke to him and said, "Behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and, it, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, "I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you uh, you lie, I will give to you and your descendants, and also your descendants shall be of the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south." And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have uh, spoken to you. And then uh, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob Jacob is about to learn some very uh, hard lessons here. This particular chapter I titled, Lessons in Irony. When you look up the definition of the word irony, one that fits this chapter is, is it says it's a situation which was intended to have a particular result and has the opposite or very different result. Now, if you've lived long enough, we can say that we, we do understand what this is. We've experienced it because it can come in many forms. You know, some have been on a positive surprise and others were due to a backfire that did not work in our favor in the form of irony. Now, will God use unexpected means to get us to change? Sure, absolutely he will. God chastens who he loves and he teaches us by many examples. You know, I love what David, King David said in Psalms chapter 7 and this is in verse 14 and 15. It says, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out, and has fallen into the ditch which he had made. And David can speak from experience as one who fell into the things by bad choices. But the beginning of the, the beginning of time, sibling rivalry was an issue, even to that point of murder. You know, I've I've tried to engrave in my heart what God told Cain who became jealous of his brother Abel due to God's approval of his sacrifice and gifts. And this was the, the very first murder on earth due to a, a brother murdering brother. What God told Abel was, when he was angry, he said, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? 
If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. And, and again, you know, God does not change. From the beginning of time to now as we stand, what he said still stands. Because he is the exception and the rule. But it's by his wonderful grace that he makes us an exception. See, God does not know sin. But praise be to him that he knows how to clean it up. But may we fight the good fight. And may we do so by through prayer and through the word. May we do so through obedience and faith. And may we draw closer to our Lord. For that is what's going to sustain us and keep us. As best as possible being sinful people. So now beginning in chapter 29, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and follow along. If not, I'm going to be reading it to you. In verse 1, it says, So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until the flocks are gathered together. And they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. In, in, in chapter 28, uh, Jacob's mother, Rebekah, sent Jacob to her original home in Haran, which was the homeland of his grandfather, Abraham. And this was in the region of the Iraqi region. Uh, Canaan was not a place at that time that was in God's favor. And this was due to pagan practices and uh, ungodly ways of life. And Jacob, he makes it there by the hand and grace of God. Uh, there was no knowledge of him ever going to this region before. And we can see that, that he, uh, by him asking for Laban as he has never seen him before. But it, it's interesting in the way Jacob runs into Rachel. You know, his mother, Rebecca, was brought together by this same situation. Abraham's servant was in search of a bride for Isaac, his father. And the servant prayed that God would send a woman who would offer him water and, and also water to the ten camels uh, that he'd brought with him. So when she showed up, she did that. And then he was brought to the home to meet the family and Laban was there. Uh, the wells in this area, they, it would be kind of like a social gathering for people in these areas. As water had to be gathered on a daily basis and possibly a couple times a day at times. Uh, Rachel was beautiful. And she was tending to the sheep, which, you know, it takes a special person to do that task. And in fact, once he's seen her, 
he rolled the stone off the well, and he did it himself, which this would normally take a few people to do that together. So it looks like a bit of adrenaline perhaps gave him the strength to do this. You know, guys are funny. We'll do the funniest things in front of girls uh, to get their attention. So how, how things never change from thousands of years. But, you know, God is good. God is good because the path was directed. There was no street signs. There was no maps. No devices that, uh, that we have in our day to easily guide us when we get lost. God's plan will be established. And, and even in the circumstances of how Jacob got there, by deceit, and then his life being threatened, the provisions of God prevailed. But you know how much sweeter it is to not uh, do the things that were done? And, and and I mean that in the way that Jacob and his family did. Uh, they, uh, the way they did things that were done. You know, from personal observance and reflection of my life, I see things that I wish I would have done differently by God's word, by God's ways. You know, but his, his mercy and grace, it sustains and delivers us. But, you know, I want to know where God stands so I can be standing close to him as he is the unmovable and perfect object, okay? So I want to be knowing, I want to know where he stands. I want to know where he's at. I don't want to be doing things on my own accord and I don't want to be relying on my own uh, uh, devious ways. You know, we've done that enough in our lifetime, I'm sure. But again, grace and mercy is what God gives. But may we be, again, doers of the word. Because we want to stay in those good graces. Because that's the only way that we can refrain from the scars that we have. <laughs> and may we refrain from developing more. Take a look at verses 11 through 17. And it says, Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was the, uh, her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father, then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And so he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are bone, or my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. And then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Uh, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So Jacob, you know, he realized that he made it to where he was, uh, to where he was supposed to be. You know, Rachel had to have been uh, surprised that a stranger would come up and, and do that, to go walk up to her and kiss her and start to yell out out of joy. But she was no stranger, but related, as Rebecca was her aunt. And then she most likely heard of their relatives in Canaan to the west. But Jacob is about to meet his match here. And, and that match would be in that of Uncle Laban. You know, as, as you can see, uh, Laban was a gracious host. But so was he years ago when Abraham's servant showed up with gold jewelry and ten camels. as He was especially gracious during that time. But we will see that Laban is the kind of guy that would sell a block of ice to an Eskimo for a million dollars. He was offering him a job. And, and he was testing the waters on what would be suitable for you and the wages. But, but the scheming begins now. 
He was setting him up to be a servant in his household is what it was. The one who does the dirtiest, the tedious things that no one else would want to do. Okay, but it was, you know, it was Rachel who was the first to greet him. And her beauty caught his eyes as it explained. And that she had a sister, Leah, who had sensitive eyes. Uh, perhaps uh, she had bad eyesight from the sounds of it. But you see, it was Rachel who Jacob desired. It was going to cost him. And, and it was going to test him in his form of a servant. See, Rachel was herding the sheep, which was probably one of the oldest and greatest professions in regards to that of servanthood. Now, sheep herding wasn't very respected amongst the people because it was kind of considered a low, a low job to do. But, in a sense, it was probably one of the greatest jobs that you could do to test your servanthood and your heart. Jacob's reaction would show, and his motives and true colors would show, in, in this conman versus conman situation. In, in the traditions of this time, you know, people would stay like three or four days and then they would move on. Or if they were to stay longer, they would agree upon them staying and what the working conditions would be after a month here has gone by. But, you see, the test of, of people's hearts can be seen if they are servant-minded and hearted. We could go to the New Testament and we could look at the disciples of Christ who were arguing amongst each other. They were arguing amongst each other who would be the greatest of, of the group. And Jesus showed up and they asked him, who is it going to be, Lord? And he said that the, the greatest of them would be the servant. The greatest servant, the servant of all. So Jacob was being prepared in that, and by doing it, your training ground in God's work is best in that of servanthood. Now, unfortunately, Laban had his plans, though. Laban, Laban wasn't looking for uh, somebody of integrity from the sounds of it. He was just looking for somebody to, to be a servant in his house. So let's observe uh, verses 18 to 30. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. S stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a big feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went to he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And so he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter Rachel as a maid. And then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years.
<laughs> Jacob asked, why did you deceive me? You know, it's always funny how people that cause such problems in life, they always question, why me, uh, when things come back and hit them? You know, I, I take it that people uh, who have never thrown a boomerang before, uh, they don't realize what's going to happen. It's going to come back right where it, right where it was thrown from. And, and no one gets away with anything because nothing is hidden from God's sight. But you see, when you're one of his children, he will discipline us. He'll discipline us quickly and swiftly if needed. See, Jacob, he had a reason and a purpose to fulfill his promise. And it was his deep love for Rachel. You know, was having two wives his desire? No, absolutely not. But we will see. We will see the destruction, which is why God said man shall have only one wife. Laban, he obviously wanted both daughters married, which is why he did what he did. But again, God deals with all wrongdoers accordingly, as it will be seen for Laban. You know, considering that Jacob's brother Esau was the firstborn, and the birthright and blessing was Esau's, you know, Jacob was able to scheme him for the birthright and the blessing. And, and Laban hits Jacob with the firstborn speech in regards to his older daughter, using the customs of that region uh, for his reasoning. Okay, well, we know the thing is, is that if, you, if you're familiar, familiar with the uh, backgrounds and the history of these cultures, Laban flat out lied. That was not, that was not a, uh, the way they did things. <laughs> that was completely false. But perhaps, you know, Jacob might have had a flashback of what he did to Esau. I'm not sure, but he explained the scripture. What he did was he just explained the scripture of what a man sows that he shall also reap. We can see that in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. But because of what is being sown in the lives of those in Genesis, it is, it, what we're seeing is the reason of, of the main reasons why God created the laws that we will see in the books of Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And, and let's not forget the founding of the Ten Commandments, which was in the book of Exodus. This, this gives the account of the origins of man and man's actions. There, there was no custom that, that Laban claimed. And the thing was that Leah was obviously in on the act as, as their physical union was done in the dark. Jacob had no clue. So as the saying goes, apples don't fall far from the tree. But unfortunately, the more rotten the apple, the closer it falls. You know, Laban's sister Rebecca helped scheme with Jacob and then sent Jacob to Uncle Laban. And it looks to me like they're all cut from the same cloth. <laughs> you know, may God help us to be wearing his garments from him versus the cloth of a crooked relative, right? So may God help us in that. In verse 31 to 35. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son. Also, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. 
And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she stopped bearing. So Jacob's lineage begins and he will be the father of the 12 sons which becomes the the founding uh the founders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh Jacob's name will be changed as as Jacob means heel catcher conniver. He will be he will be soon called Israel which means governed by God. And as the nation will no longer be Canaan, it will too be called Israel. See, in the Old Testament, when a name was given to a child at birth, it, it, the name reflected the situation at the time of the birth. And you could use Jacob and Esau as examples, as Esau means hairy, as that's what his appearance was. And then you could look at the, the prophets that were born, the, the minor prophets, the major prophets of the books of the, of the prophetic books of the Bible. All of their names are regarding in their service of God. So there was also prophetic names that were given with those that were named during the circumstances of, of birth. And you take the first son, the first son was Reuben, which means, look, a son. Simeon came along, and his name means the Lord has heard. And then Levi, the third son, came, and his name means joined too. But see, at times, names were also changed, as God has done, uh, has done the same, as we will see the, that in the change of Jacob. We've also seen uh, the name of, of Abraham changed, as his name was originally Abram, which meant father, Changed to Abraham, father of many. His wife Sarah, his name, her name was Sarai, which meant contentious. Her name was changed to Sarah, which meant like a princess. So God changed names depending on the change of the people. Which Isaac will be, I'm sorry, not Isaac, but Jacob will be changed to Israel. But then we had child number four. I'm sorry, the, the word, I'm looking at the, the third child who was, who was uh, Levi. Leah probably figured that, well, okay, the third time is a charm. After all, I am the mother of his children. He will learn to love me. But, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us have seen that, unfortunately, that's never the case when people have children together. And then we take child number four, who was Judah, which Judah means to praise. And the tribe of Judah was that of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. You know, people, they do the wildest things on behalf of their own well-being. But, you know, God is the master planner. He is the author and finisher of our lives. And the example being is that even though Leah, Leah was not the loved one, God had a plan for these, for these kids as the tribe. Levi would actually be of the tribe of the holy priesthood. Judah, as I mentioned... Judah had had a great um, a great legacy within the tribe because he was also of that from the tribe of King David, one of the greatest king of Israel, and who was also of the lineage of Christ Jesus. But you know, I want to I want to share with you from a pastor that I've learned from over the many years, who is now with the Lord. He's been with the Lord for some years, and what he's always said, I've always loved. He said that I don't want to try to direct the Spirit on what I'm going to do. I just want to jump in the boat where he's going. <laughs> and, and how much better is it that we do such things? And this came from a man who pastored for over 50 years. See, the opportunity is here to be able to do that. 
And the opportunity of doing that is by saying a prayer of faith to receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, a lot of people may ask, if, if I do that, will, will things be easy in life? Will, will, I, uh, will I not experience things that we read about in the Bible? Well, I can't answer that because only God knows your days and, and God knows your life. See, but what I can answer is, is that a lot of the things that we did see in the Bible, Bible was due to personal choices that people made outside of God's will. And I will repeat myself often on this one, but I will do it for good reason. See, many, many when asked, many people when asked, what do you want in life? Many will say different things. They'll say, well, I want, uh, I want to be successful. I want to, I want to have, uh, good finances. I want to have a, a family, a house. I, I'm going to want all these different things, but it's very, it's very seldom. That you'll hear somebody say, I want God's perfect will in my life. Very few will probably say that. And this, by, by having God's perfect will in your life, there's no telling what else is going to come. Jesus himself said it. Seek first the kingdom of God and then the rest will come to you. See, everything we have here is very temporary. Temporary. But we, we work for the goal. We work towards the goal of that of eternal. But we serve, a, we serve a wonderful God who gives us so much here on earth. And then there's things he keeps us from for the form of protecting us as well. Because, see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. So the question is, is, do you want to trust him or do we want to trust our own, our own ways as Jacob did, as Rebecca did, as everyone else we've ever read in the Bible that, that has you know, fallen a great distance and the reason being was because of their choices. Or we could look at those who basically held the hand of God and were delivered. See, as we're in Genesis chapter 29, we have just, we've not even scratched the surface. And yet, already we've had so many examples of those who God blessed, of those who God delivered, of those who God allowed uh, to suffer due to their own personal choices. But the thing is, God's going to allow us to go through many things. Receiving Him gives you an advocate of, of trust and guidance versus you having to walk through the darkness by yourself. Whatever it is you're going through, the Lord knows. But He wants to hear from you. He wants, to, he wants to have that relationship with you. And it is, my, it is my pleasure and my honor to pray for you as an intercessory prayer. He wants to hear from you individually. And by doing so, you must receive Him. He lives in your heart when you receive Him. And by doing so, you receive salvation when you say this prayer of salvation and truth and by meaning it. So if you feel that the Spirit has directed you into His path, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to cleanse me of my sins. And Lord, I thank you for dying for me. 
And Lord, I receive you in my heart as my Father, my Lord, my Savior. And I thank you for having me into your kingdom, Lord. May I be with you, Father, when my time is up. And Lord, I thank you, love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, remember that by doing that, it's the greatest decision one can make. Because the time is short. We all share in the same destiny, and our destiny is one day to be in eternity. He just gives us the choice of which one we want. So may God bring you into his presence and keep you. And may he bless you and your friends and family and all those around you. May God be with you. Take care.